Hi, it's Joey. And Dutta. Please leave a message after the beep. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Let's try again. Hi, it's Joey. And Dutta. And we are the co-founders at Leho. Leho is a social impact brand where every purchase supports a social cause. Our It's Call to Care series consists of all things kind, caring, and cool. We focus on topics of sustainability, running a business, helping people in need, and just general topics that people can relate to, really. So subscribe, save, share, and stay kind. Hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Not too bad, thank you. Obviously, my Memaya work. Yeah. So everything's open there, but <laughs> lovely to see you again. Thanks so much for having me on. No, all good or good. Yeah, I'm in my bedroom as well. I realise we're both wearing purple. I mean, this doesn't really look purple, but you know, gonna represent now female colours. <laughs> oh, exactly. I wanted to do all the whistles in purple as well, but they didn't have it. But uh, oh. multicolour sending them out. Well, I was gonna I've have got them all here. No, I love them so much, and I've got them on my keys as well, which is perfect. Yeah, now I'll feel safe for life <laughs> they're a good size to have I've got them here as well so if we have our wine and our whistles then we're perfect for today then I'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I've got to say we've got our uh, nice what have you bought today yeah just a little red yeah, on, a, on a Wednesday although because it's the bank holiday it feels like a, a Thursday so perfect yeah no excited for Easter <laughs> cool cool well thank you so much for coming on I'm really excited to talk all things women girl talk you know all of that Absolutely. So, shall we get started? Oh, definitely. Thank you for having me. Cool. No, no. So, here we are. Today, we're here with Sarah Boyle, amazing woman who's just started the Whistleback campaign. And she was also featured in Sky News, I think, like, in the first or second week of launching, which is amazing and huge. Um, so, yeah, she also took her time to interview a large group of women. So, really excited to hear your findings. But before that, tell us a bit about, you know, why you started the Whistle campaign and what inspired you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And thank you yeah, for giving me the platform to talk about the statistics um, as well, because that's something that wasn't quite covered on Sky and was so interesting about asking girls our age, you know, what they were feeling as well. Obviously, this was in light of the Sarah Everard case, which was really horrendous and really sort of shook everyone to the core, especially, you know, there's so many young people around Clapham. So, you know, really, really strange when it was happening. The sun was coming out, people were going for runs. It was lovely days. So many people out on the common, but you know, yeah, there was people looking for a, for a body in the, in the lake at the same time. So I definitely felt this sense of inertia and wanting to do, you know, this is something I talk about all the time, how, um, you know, we are sort of faced with everyday sexist, you know, remarks and, uh, and things just walking down the street. And that's what I wanted to really tackle off the back of this. Um, so yeah, the Whistleback campaign as a, as a concept is tackling everyday sexism, like catcalling, wolf whistling, being followed, and making sure that women feel a bit safer when walking alone. And I wanted to encourage women to as the name says, like hashtag whistle back. Um, so the idea behind the whistle itself are a few things. And this is why I sort of did the survey to ask people, how do they usually respond to things? Most women, you know, stay silent. So for them, it's giving them a voice that would be able to call out a perpetrator of these everyday things. And, and it does happen far too often without engaging 
but also without further escalating a situation. So for those who are sort of yelling back and then sprinting for the hills, how can I um, alert the general public without you know, engaging in something that could get quite um, tense. Um, but also, you know, it's very much about allyship. I've talked to so many lovely guys and men about this as well. And it's so important for them to be involved in the conversation from the get go. So if they hear something like this, as the world opens up, they know I need to go and help. And, and this is how, and I think that was why it was just as much about getting the word out as the whistles, um, because, you know, in an ideal world, if someone's, you know, really, being tense on the tube, even showing it would be something to say, you know, stop. Otherwise, you know, I could blow it. Um, but, you know, things are opening up here. And, and as I mentioned, there was this really strange juxtaposition of Clapham of something really dire and, and, and the world opening up from the end of coronavirus, well, <laughs> the end of restrictions anyway. So I wanted people to feel safe and excited from when the world was opening up again. Yeah. And almost like prepared as well. I feel like this is, you know, when we say no, no means no, but a lot of people obviously don't no that no means no so I feel like this whistle really like go away <laughs> exactly and this is you know in fairness and that was will be sort of an important thing this isn't for when you are being attacked yeah uh, this is for the you know everyday mundane sexism that yeah. we you know honestly accept too often as part and parcel yeah. as women experience and I think you know you mentioned what was the sort of inspiration from it while the catalyst was definitely Sarah but it was actually the amount of women going on Twitter, you know, politicians, journalists, every sort of um, woman there is. And there was sort of seemed to be a bit of a me too moment of, oh, I carry my keys. Oh, I've definitely been followed home. Uh, and things that we were all sort of accepting that, you, you know, you might get unwanted attention on a run or you just really want to work out. Um, so that was the sort of, um, yeah, it's for those everyday moments that we've sort of had enough of. Yeah, that's amazing. Cool. Well, yeah, so basically, um, I guess I'll start with your first question. <laughs> um, so I spoke, you know, I spoke to you briefly about gender biases in languages around, you know, like leadership roles or just like senior roles in general. And, you know, it talks, talks a lot about the positive attributes and how men are praised for being confident, enthusiastic, passionate, but then women who manifest those exact same qualities mm -hmm. are then deemed, you know, overconfident annoying know it all and all of that so um I'll tell you a story I basically when I was in year one or year two I don't remember which one it was but it was during parents evening and my teacher had told my mum that I was really bossy and she was like you know and and then this didn't even happen in primary school it happened in secondary school as well and they were like oh doing group work you know Joey tends to like take the lead quite a bit and is quite bossy and so for me I grew up thinking you know being bossy was like flawed until this day even like anyone I work with, I'm always like really insecure about being bossy, but it's just like work because in my own personal life, I'm still quite closed off, still a little bit insecure, but with work, if I'm passionate about something, obviously I'm gonna, you know, do what I love doing. Yeah. So I feel like uh, I'm probably not alone. And I know a lot of women who might have other kind of attributes that they've been put down for, even though men are kind of praised for it. So my question is, I guess, what would you recommend for women who kind of go through that, you know, especially in workplaces? Mm -hmm. No, that's really interesting. And how crazy from the age of how old that people are telling you what to be and what not to be. Like, what are they telling the boys? Oh, he's very sweet and carry on. Well done. He'll be, he'll be the prime minister, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is really interesting. And in the place I've worked so far, you know, in sales, there's a lot of men around. Um, but I honestly do think, and, and I've thought a lot about this question, what, 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 what can we do? And it's definitely 
being the most confident we can. So ignore whatever teacher a million years ago said, stuff like that. Um, because ultimately the amount of confidence you have the more, honestly, I think respect you get. So if you hold yourself in a way that is unapologetic, um, I really do think that will help. And thinking about it, you know, those were two examples when you felt set back. Well, how many times has a man really felt back and, you know, had those sort of sexist remarks that would stop him? I think a lot less. So walking into those meetings, you know, um, it's going to be a sort of different attitude. So I am, although it's not the best thing to say, it's probably an advocate of faking it till you make it so by that I don't mean sort of bullshitting your way through what you're doing but faking confidence until you have it so you know that is being the first one you know I was the only girl on the sales team for a while none all of them are lovely and that's absolutely fine but being the first one to put your hand up to volunteer for something and I will acknowledge you know you probably do have to work harder to make sure that you are standing out but I do think uh, that that is the way to do it you know shared all the things that happened in the past and you know if someone is still saying you're bossy when you've made a sort of name for yourself I do feel like in this day and age undermine them you know are you that threatened by me <laughs> that's a really good way to do it I think but making confidence is interesting so we um my company are very good for this actually we had a diversity and inclusion um conversation which you know was really interesting a lot of the um 30 year old men really took a look at themselves and we had a good conversation but you know the statistics in sales were um most men think they're better than they are hitting target most women think that they're worse yeah. Just, you know, exactly why in part and parcel, if you walk into the room, even faking your confidence, everyone else will sort of see that emanate from you. Um, but yeah, I think that would be my, my thing to say from that. Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point. And I always preach, fake it until you make it. <laughs> so it is, it is good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess in terms of um, workplaces, so I was at a panel talk the other day for female leaders and a lot of you know, the young woman that had attended the event had expressed, you know, concerns about, I guess, not feeling heard at workplaces or their students who are about to go into work and are just a bit scared because obviously everyone there is much more experienced than them. So I guess what would you say, I guess, what would your advice be to those women? Because I never actually really got the chance to answer them. So yeah, I'm just curious to see what you think. Yeah, I think just making a name for yourself as early as possible and not being afraid of, um, you know, as I say, if you have had less adversity, you're going to be um, more confident. So as I mentioned, um, you know, faking it till you make it, but that's introducing yourself to as many people as possible. If there are sort of times where you can volunteer, when you can do all these things, be the first and make a name for yourself early. Um, and yeah, quite rightly, be, be unapologetic, I think, because um, even if you're not the best, you're trying your best. And I think everyone um, will see that. But you know, it's really interesting because there's such a difference in terms of, you know, what my mother experienced at the bank to what I'm experiencing in a cool young stars up now. Uh, and actually, you know, the company have been massively allied and, and helping me with, you know, the Whistleback campaign, you know, yeah. how can we use our resources to get you more, to get the word out there more. Um, so that's really interesting because, you know, there's industries like that and there's industries like investment banking where there's constant talks about, you know, your appearance and stuff as women as well. So I'm speaking from, you know, a place of, privilege where a lot of the men in the sales team and and in my company want to help which is rare, rare and fantastic but I think that would perhaps be my other advice find allies mm, yeah There's so many good eggs there you know and and them being able to use their privilege to get you heard 
mm-hmm. is a fantastic way um, to, to be heard as well. You know, it's a shame that we might have to use um, men to help us, but that's exactly what allyship is. How yeah. can we help others and raise them up? Yeah, definitely. And like, I guess, speaking of men, so obviously, you know, you're really lucky to have men who are there to kind of support and want to educate and learn. And I guess that goes back to the not all men movement, you know, and not all men are violent towards women. We know a lot of caring, nice, funny, kind men. Um, I don't know why funny was a (laughs) (laughs) funny man. Um, But also, yeah, we just know a lot of nice men. So not all men, but also not all men are standing up for women, you know. Mm And not all men are trying to make a change and constructively challenging, you know, the misogynist foundations of patriarchy. But um, I guess, you know, also not a lot of men are scrolling through their feeds and sharing. But at the same time, like it doesn't you don't have to share on social media to be like, OK, I stand for this. Yeah. Um, so I guess how can we truly, I guess, inspire the future generation of men or kind of change that patriarchal oppression, really? So, you know. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And the not all men thing is obviously, you know, really crazy. You know, why do we say, you know, this has happened to someone and they're sort of defensive? I think the whole movement is is really, really interesting because it's such a yeah patriarchal way of thinking. Well, I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one, like said, you did. So that's why I wanted the campaign to encompass, you know, men, women uh, very much equally so we can help the world be, be better in terms yeah. of that um so what can we do well that as you say there are varying levels of support so the ones for the whistleback campaign has been really really lovely i've met a few of my friends um people i know and people i don't people i know have admitted there were times where I could have checked myself, I could have checked my friend. And that's things like club situations, I think, which is actually interestingly gonna be very pivotal when things start to open up very soon. You know, we've been locked up for a year. So, you know, checking your mate when they are getting you know, a bit inappropriate is gonna be really key. Um, yeah. But also in terms of the really positive support from people I haven't um, met some lovely um guy cycled all the way from west london to come pick up 10 for his mom and his sisters and you know asked whether you know he was able to help deliver them out as he's a keen feminist you know there's some that are so um so lovely and that and that's like the perfect thing but then you know there are those friends that teeter on the edge who were saying you know the vigil you know should we be politicizing sarah's um murder which you know i don't know i don't know you know her her, her family and and it is two separate issues Mm -hmm. um to them i would say there's going to be so many things around this issue where women will be blamed and you do as an ally and as my friend take a step back and think is this overtly blaming women am i just believing a narrative because you know it's on twitter um so I would feel like girls should be able to say just, you know, in a respectful way that can be respected as well. Just have a think about what's going on um, and what you what you're always believing. Um, and then in terms of the naysayers completely, that would be ask your mom, ask your friends, ask your sister. Yeah. What well, was the statistic of 97% of women between the ages of 18 to 24 have been sexually harassed? That's crazy. Your mum has a story, your sister's got a story, and so does your friend. And obviously every man is um, surrounded by women, just like we are men. So I think that would be the the best way to get involved in the conversation, because everyone else is. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. I still can't wrap my head around that statistic. It's just scary. It really is. Um, Yeah. 
God, speaking of statistics, okay, tell me a bit about your survey statistics, because I know you interviewed quite a few women, so I want to hear more about what, you know, what women, were go- what women are going through, you know, how they're feeling like vulnerable and all of that, so. Yeah, no, absolutely. So as I mentioned, when it was all sort of happening, I mean, it doesn't take two minutes to get a feminist rant out of Sarah Boyle and ask any of my friends. So this was something I speak about so often. And in sort of the light of this, I thought I've got to do something more than just sharing an Instagram post. So ironically, I did take to Instagram for the survey, but tried to get some backing behind how I was sort of feeling and whether it was emulated as well by, by, by girls in age. So the first one started with, you know, in a face of catcalling what do you do? Do you remain silent or do you shout back? So 76% of women stayed silent, which I actually thought was really interesting. I don't know about you, I'd like to put the question, I would yell back, what do you do? I don't think I would yell back. I don't know, it depends. If I'm with friends, I would 100% yell back. If I was by myself, I'd literally like cry and hide in an alley. (laughs) I get so scared. But I, you know what's funny is I actually subconsciously, and I never thought about this, but people kind of put their earphones in or whatever, but I subconsciously like, turn my volume down if someone's walking behind me to be like what are they saying like what's going on um and I never really thought about that until I started seeing you know other people do it and I was like oh wow yeah no absolutely and and that's what sort of started the conversation people would vote on the poll and then message me going well it depends and then we'd have lots of conversations which was really 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 good because quite rightly you know one of the main things in in a personal story that was like I would have loved a whistle during this and you're quite right you know there's times when I was living alone in house shares or or things like this and I would never for the life of me on the wall back from the tube say anything and it is the have your headphones in but turn them down um but it was midday running in Brixton and I specifically remember saying I'm not going to wear my shorts it's 30 degrees but I don't want any unwanted attention um and, you know, then going for the run, some guy stops at the, uh, the light, pulls over and starts, you know, gesturing to come in. I was on FaceTime to my boyfriend at the time. So I like, it was also really crazy for him to see, but also perhaps I felt a bit more um, protected in that respect that someone, you know, when you make a call, they'll know, you know, if something bad happens. But because it was bright light, the street was full. As he pulls away, I'm just there, you know, effing and blinding and saying, you know, why are you doing this but in that moment as the car drives away I'm just left by myself looking like you know I've lost the plot yeah. what would have been really helpful is when I'm looking sort of desperately at the at the people on the street to help instead of going you know why why is she swearing you know oh we could have really helped so for me it was just as much about calling that guy out as it was to to alert people mm-hmm. so that was really interesting on that part so then after you know, engage in a few more conversations like that. I put out like the proper survey. And I think the really interesting things were, you know, so 300 women filled it out, which is fantastic. But yeah. the vast majority of um, women stay silent, like I mentioned, for two main reasons, though. So one was fear of safety, but also hugely to not give men satisfaction. Yeah. That's what I thought as well. You know, yeah. sometimes all they want is um, you to say something to, 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 to have a laugh with whoever they're with. So mm. I thought that would be really useful as well. So most of them remaining silent. However, the vast majority, and there were quite a few um, surveys I had to do. So let's say 60% and up said, if there were less threats to my safety, I would love to. And I had a field day having a look through um, what everyone would like to do. And it, you know, it was to call back and call them out and explain why it's not wrong. 
yeah. tell them to f off so it was really interesting so many women are staying silent but they don't even want to yeah um, so i really want to sort of give a voice to those who aren't but also um protect those and do it in a more safe way for those that are but also you know the sad thing was looking through how it makes everyone feel and it really was you know vulnerable as you just mentioned like really dirty you know having a shower after these sort of um nights at the club if you're being touched inappropriately and it does happen all too often you know yeah yeah so that was really crazy and um of the 307 women I asked you know how safe do you feel walking home Guess how many said perfectly safe? Zero. One. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you that was? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm dying to know as well. So one lucky lady. Is. Okay. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> so I filled it out. <laughs> yeah, no, even like, but it's not even walking home. I mean, I was speaking to my sister about this the other day. It's also getting Ubers. Like, I'm not saying anything wrong with like Uber drivers or taxis, but Uber, anyone can be an Uber driver. Like if I could get a license tomorrow to be an Uber driver, I could pick people up and drop them off you know so it's just it's like I guess you just can't trust anyone it's you know it's not even walking in the streets and actually my sister passes out in clubs and in Uber and Ubers so after night out her boyfriend's like it's so bad I have to go home with her because yeah. if I don't then she's alone sleeping in an Uber mm-hmm. and it's just like you know you don't know what's going to happen so yeah, yeah. absolutely I think Perhaps, I don't know, obviously we went to the same university. What do you think the difference is between, you know, when you know everyone, when you're on the same clubs versus um, now in London? Is London a bigger, scarier place? What do you think about the different areas you've been? I mean, I feel like Newcastle, everyone was, not everyone, but a lot of people were very friendly. Like even the taxi drivers, (laughs) all the Geordies were just like so nice. Um, But also you're right, Newcastle was so small. And I feel like when you go out, you just see everyone you know. Whereas in London, it's still the same. We all go to the same places, but I think we all live in different places as well. So it's about, you know, going home, going to meet people. And I actually had at one point just really bad public anxiety. And I couldn't, if I had to meet a friend in a bar or a pub and I was early, which I always am, I couldn't go in. I just was really, really scared of like sitting on a table, just going in by myself. So instead I would go and hide in like a really quiet, dark alley, which now I'm like, what was I thinking? But I just like, I just couldn't go in because firstly I was like anxious and I don't know what I was scared of, but I just couldn't do it. Um, Now I can say I can go into a bar and I'll wait. (laughs) But before I couldn't, and I think, yeah, it's just, I did feel like scared. And every time I was in the alley, I'd always call my friends and they'd be like, I'm on the tube, I can't hear you. I'm like, I don't care, just keep talking to me. Yeah. and actually the amount of voicemails I've left myself, I've called myself so many times. And I honestly pray to God that three, my phone company doesn't like <laughs> hear my voice messages. Cause I'm like, hi, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, I'm, first of all, I'm scared someone will call. So then it will ring and it'll be obvious. And then I think I just think too much right. about it, but. No, yeah. you're right. And I think that's it. It's, I'd love to, you know, in a world where, we can have, you know, social anxiety and want to want to stay in the alleyway or we want to wear the shorts, even though it's 30 degrees. What is so frustrating is that we can't do the simple things that make us feel better or simply just going about our daily lives without just having it in the back of your mind. Quite a lot of the girls that I was um, speaking with or that have bought whistles were, I realise that when I'm thinking about when I'm doing my run, guys don't have to think about that Um, and that's huge I think especially when obviously the only thing we can do right now is to go out and and work out as well 
yeah that's definitely been um yeah really shocking and obviously the thing that shook everyone to the core about um Sarah herself just you know why can't why can't women walk alone and, and yeah, walk exactly. yeah and it's crazy yeah and even like even walking my dog I'm wearing like really ugly trackies and like a big fat ass coat mind my language <laughs> it's <laughs> still honk and I'm like what I, I just I literally don't understand because I'm like there's nothing sexy about this and it just makes me feel uncomfortable because I'm like by myself as well and there's not that many people that's like sometimes it's like an old man walking but still it just makes you a little bit more scared I guess when you're on streets that don't have that many people I feel like in a busy street you'd have more I guess support from people around you perhaps like on a night out if you're on like I don't know a busy street and there are loads of different bars and people outside then maybe if something happened I feel like everyone tends to come and like back you up but yeah. when you're just by yourself especially now during lockdown there's like not much happening so it's almost I guess scarier yeah true and, it, and it's interesting to see the other side of the coins in, in some respects because um you know when I did do the survey a lot of women were saying you know it makes me feel awful but some were saying you know cat calling really doesn't bother me and, and things like that so it's interesting to hear that side as well and of course um you know words are just words so that, that's really important to acknowledge that as well but even those that were saying you know that like a lot of friends had conversations um about that were there's things I didn't realize about my life as a woman that I do such as as you mentioned finding the busy carriage finding the busy street and that's things that why you don't have to get like super offended about someone yelling at you in the street it's those things that we have to do extra that a man doesn't to make I remember so clearly because I like it would always be really fun going into London to watch a play and I was finally allowed out with my girls but it must be terrifying as a parent and that and that was sort of instilled in me yeah it with the family (laughs) you know never go on a carriage with just one guy in it if you can try and find a lady that's perfect yeah yeah that's so true and I guess like even taking trains and shoes especially at night as well if there's like one person there and I sometimes I almost feel like I don't want to just automatically assume that you're a bad guy you know but it's just like my instinct to think okay if there's like a man there wearing a hoodie like run (laughs) but I don't I don't want to think that but I think it's just you know we've almost been we've almost grown up thinking that or being taught that we had to kind of deal with situations like that or kind of react like that. Yeah. Sort of like protection, I guess, just to be safe and sorry. True. And I think, you know, that's why I kind of wanted on the Instagram as well for people to sort of share their experiences. So, you know, it's all very easy saying a statistic and being shocked like 97%. But, you know, I was talking to my friend about this, similar to the COVID numbers. When you hear one really sad, awful story, it's so much worse than hearing how many people, you know, were affected. So, you know, it's very much about building a community and having that awareness as well for women to find I guess solidarity and oh I experienced that too I don't feel so creeped out by the whole situation um and for guys you know a lot of them are messaging me like I didn't realize this happened so much you know this is very interesting for me to see um and so that's yeah whatever someone's comfortable with either I'm giving it to my sister because or you know someone grabbed my bum in Covent Garden I'm sick of it (laughs) yeah yeah no I agree and it's really good that you're building a community because I think prior to this you know I feel like a lot of women might have subconsciously felt vulnerable or scared or whatever, but now having a community with women who kind of speak out about situations like this, you're like, okay, I'm not the only one. And then you just feel a bit better. And I feel like now we're almost educating and hopefully inspiring women to know how to deal with situations like that. Because I feel like 
after this, we would have known if someone catcalled us like once we get released from lockdown, um, I feel like we would also know how to deal with the situation even if we were alone, just a little bit better. You know, it's not gonna save everything, but it's just like, I think we'll be a little bit more alert, but also, yeah, just know how to handle it. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, this is, you know, something I've been talking about since yay high, but, you know, it took something really horrible to happen for people to start listening. Like, what yeah. do you think about the longevity of this? Will people listen forever? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a bit tricky, especially with social media. I feel like every month now there's a new trend. You know, there was like BLM and then now, and then there was like women feminism and then now there's like Asian hate. So it's just like, it constantly changes. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. It is a tricky question and I hope not. But I also think, you know, now a lot of schools will start paying attention to everything that's going on. You know, the future generation are all going to be hardcore activists, <laughs> whether you like it or not. I mean, my my sister, she's, um, I'm not going to say her age because she'll probably kill me, but uh, she's of a different generation, let's say. And um, she's closer to my mom's generation. And we both have very, very different views. But I was telling her, I was like, your son is going to be like a pro activist. So you need to like learn to change the way you think. But it's yeah. not even not change the way you think, but it's also just being a bit more open to learning about stuff like this and educating yourself a bit more because, you know, we're the generation that's about to like change history because all these things have happened, you know? So it's just, yeah, hopefully I feel like when lockdown lifts, this will not just go in one ear and come out the other. Yeah. But, yeah. It'll be really interesting to see when we are sort of let out of our cages, what, what it will be like. Um, so I know, you know, what I've been talking about is walking down the street stuff. Clubs mm. is a huge issue. Yeah. I saw this amazing thing a few years back of some um, students from Harvard had developed a, uh, what is a nail polish that you can check if a drink's been like refueled or not. Really? That's hilarious. <laughs> been an issue like for ages, but obviously we haven't had that whole sort of element of how do people act in the club. And, it, and it's really simple from just unwanted attention and, and not, and saying no and, and and them not you know listening to you know actually really being groped and I remember really clearly and um one of my first times clubbing in I was interrailing I was up and about so I was in my lovely new skirt and someone like really touched me up yeah. I was fuming and I hit him right back but you know when I said that to the to the guys I was traveling with they went, oh, what if he pulled a knife and you know it's so annoying while we sort of can't stand up for ourselves in some respects because ultimately they could probably overpower you yeah sure. So that, that's the really frustrating thing so it'll be interesting to see you know I think women hopefully will have a bit um more oomph in saying you know this is I'm not standing for that it's not just something that happens in the club anymore and I'm gonna actually sit you down <laughs> instead and tell you why it's not right <laughs> But it's also not just women, it comes from men, which is, you know, I feel like a lot of women are educating themselves and I'm not saying a lot of men aren't, but at the same time, it's like, why do we have to, I guess, be more, I, not obviously we have to be more alert, but as in, you know, in a club situation like that, like why, why do we have to teach women how to react to that? Why can't we just teach men not to do that in the first place, you know? Yeah. But I hope that now after everything that's happened, it's almost seen as, I mean, it's already seen as a very like disgusting move to make, but I hope it's like even more disgusting now. Yeah, like and then we'll be now. able to 
yeah um so one of the things that sky asked me so yeah it was really crazy it was i thought of the concept did the survey the whistles hadn't even come yet a girl i'd met um a few years back and said listen this is so random my literal job at the moment is helping you know put on um uh people talking about in the local area what they're doing uh, in the aftermath of the Sarah case. So it was fantastic that they was able to do that. And that had a lot more traction than just me sort of putting it out. But one of the things that they asked me was, added streetlights and policemen in clubs. Is that enough? I mean, the policemen in clubs, God, I'm not sure about that. Surely they're gonna stop us having all our fun, first of all. I mean, there can never be enough streetlights. That's really good. Police, I don't know, what's your take on that? I don't know. Although I do, I, I have one comment about the clapping streetlights. I think that was amazing. They literally just like, boom, next day. It was yeah. like, done. I, I, I think that was really, really well done. Yeah. Police-wise, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one. Yeah, like more police in that. Is that just, I, I don't know, it'd be interesting. I think more police outside the clubs might help a bit more than perhaps inside. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I won't be hitting any clubs anytime soon. Right now, I just can't think of anything worse than being like crapped on any people. I don't mind a bar, but I feel like a club at the moment. Yeah. I just can't, can't put that in my head. But um, yeah, no, it, it is super interesting. And yeah, I think it just takes more, I guess, organizations and people and people like you as well, just to do something about it. Because if you're not doing this, then, you know, who is? And at Leho, we always say like, every little no that was tesco i was about to say every little helps that's not what we say <laughs> that's tesco we say every um oh god i can't even think anymore every little step makes a big difference so all of our steps put together make a big difference and mm. it's true you know like everything that you're doing is actually making a huge difference and it's making a positive impact especially opening up conversations for women to kind of relate to and sharing their stories so people can learn more which is amazing so I think with more people like you and organizing organizations like that um hopefully you know will kind of shape the future generations a little bit better in terms of this so yeah thank you so much I really appreciate you and uh yeah the conversation yeah, no, this is good. Thank you so much for coming on. Any final words? I guess one one word of maybe like a some advice or how people can help or get involved. Yeah, absolutely. So I haven't actually said how you can get a whistle. So I've got the Instagram, which is at whistle underscore back 2021. Um, at the moment, it's pretty manual in terms of I'm delivering them or sending them out, hoping to scale it a bit as it has been fantastic. I'm got rid of 100 and 150 are coming um, tomorrow. Uh, and it's been really fantastic meeting people, hearing their experiences, why they want one. So yeah, definitely get involved. All proceeds go to buy more whistles there, only one pound. Um, and yeah, I'd absolutely love to see you there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exciting. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you too. It was lovely speaking again.